Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Suicide Squad by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at No Clutch Nate. And today we're talking about minute number one of Suicide Squad, which is going to start out with some logos and then it's going to end with Captain Griggs uh, explaining the meal that he has just given to Floyd Lawton. Is Are we doing a cold open or is this like straight up, we're, we're running with this? We're running with it. Okay. Um, I didn't know if there was supposed to be more fanfare with starting a new season. Um, maybe that's the, just me telling myself well, mentally. I was going to cut. Put in trumpets. And I was going to cut the intro off. And I was going to pull the intro up to the front, take what we just said, throw it at the end of the episode. As like. So if they want to listen to us banter, they can listen to that at the end of the episode and talk about Slipknot. Not the band, the character. <laughs> I will ta- I, I, I will start a podcast to talk about Slipknot, um, the band. Really? A whole like, I, going into I discography? Maybe a whole episode. I don't mind talking. When, I would say like an episode. Like you when we talk, talk about, about like Slipknot, we'll talk about. We'll mention the character once, and then we will completely shut down this podcast. It will. It will the whole episode will be devoted to everyone's thoughts on everyone's favorite American band, Slipknot. I don't think they're even American. Are you sure? Part of me thinks they're like Swedish or something, like Canadian or Canadian? something. German. Yeah, I was just thinking of Ramstein. Ramstein. Triple uh, X. The people who are in Slipknot feel like they're probably Canadian. So right. before we uh, before we kick into this minute, because this is the start of a, I think this is going to be 135 episodes of Suicide Squad. So there's a lot to dig into with this film. Um, before we get started, when when was the last time you saw this movie? Um. I believe when it came out on, per, like Blu-ray and DVD. Do people still say DVD? I feel like we've had this conversation, you know, multiple times. This year alone, it has seemed like, and no one's making a big deal about it. Home video, I guess. But like, home media is the thing. You know, yeah. Digital digital media is is the way to go now, and the jokes are like so out there now it's just like yeah dvd is dead like no one's buying dvds anymore like oh do you remember like dvd discs and stuff it's like dude it's not like that far in like yeah i get the i mean a blu-ray that, is still a disc and yeah. it's still silly to People just want discredit Blu-ray a, a disc, disc yeah like, i know i don't know anyway we're getting there the last time i saw it was when it came out to buy it um and um i didn't see it in theaters you didn't see this movie? No, that I was not see my the, next Yeah, question. no, I didn't see it in theaters. I only saw... Are there Were there multiple versions that came out to buy? Was there like an unrated and a rated or special when edition? When it came out... I saw the one with the extra scenes. I'll, there's I'll an say extended. That one. Yeah, okay. So I saw the extended one once, and then... The Extendables. That's what this film was called. <laughs> and then the last time I saw it was... I don't know how many years ago, but or it may have been just one year ago, but you were in your apartment... And uh, we were doing an episode of Dawn of Justice, and we just finished. And then, like, you had it on your Apple TV. And it was, like, one of the first times you got it on your Apple TV. And it was like, yo, I'm just going to play it. We watched it, too? We watched the whole movie. Yeah. Really? Yeah, and it was after we recorded, like, a whole 
thing a Dawn of Justice, like you know, and, and then we went in again for another three hours on another DC movie just to watch it. That might have been the last time I watched it. Yeah, because maybe we didn't finish it, but then like I went home and finished it. I remember back yeah. at, at the house and like sitting on on the bed, being like, "I'm gonna watch Suicide Squad." I watched it twice in theaters. Wow, the first time was. Uh, it was 2016. It was, you know, the the weekend it just came out. I saw it on a Sunday morning. It was after Tam- Tampa Bay Comic Con. Um, so Dawn of Justice would like had just come out like at the, you know, convention. Like there was a lot of Dawn of Justice. Like I think one guy was like he was cosplaying as like an armored Batman. So it was cool. Um. And so, oh, and th- like the night before was the first time I ever went to the castle in Ybor City. So, oh, yeah, right. Like I was I was recovering that mm-hmm. morning. So I went to go see Suicide Squad um, with a bunch of people, including Johnny. And it was, uh, it, like the whole time I was thinking like this movie felt like the DC animated films, which I usually, I want more people to realize that they're that they're okay and not the greatest things on earth which i feel like a lot of times people equate that every single you know like people may have criticisms about these films but as far as dc animated films are always like oh those are like godsends like those are great like those are way better than the films coming out and i feel like they're okay um at least the recent dc animated films are and Suicide Squad felt like a live action version of a DC animated film. Yeah, I agree with you yeah. right there. Like it, it seemed like my mind just kind of like overlaid cartoon characters in front of me. Like I, I, w- I just felt like I was watching. You know, I wonder if it's because like somewhere subconsciously our only experience with like a team up mm-hmm. type thing and like a you know in in a movie form is mm-hmm. just from the animated ones i mean we got justice league you had unlimited you had young justice all those things and it was like all team base of our dc characters that we know so this is like the first this is the first dc no i guess the first team up would have been dawn of justice with the trinity but mm-hmm. this is like a um i guess the first pro- proclaimed team in the uh cinematic universe it's the first like DC film that doesn't and it, and it's not a dig but it's like the first one that doesn't matter and I feel like more people need to understand that when they watch this film where it's like it's okay to be okay does that make sense like <laughs> oh isn't like a like a like a scaling yeah like it's good okay like greatest best or whatever like Dawn of Justice was like you know, uh, we said it on other podcasts where it's like, you know, it could be considered Zack Snyder's like magnum opus type film. It's like a big, big scale. Like, um, it's a monument of a film. Um, and Suicide Squad doesn't have to be that. And I don't think it is that. And I hope they weren't trying for it to be because it doesn't come off that way anyways. Um, so I think it's okay that... I think it's an okay film. Yeah. And I I think more people just need to be like, 
Like the characters aren't that. that that's like the whole point of Suicide Squad that they were nobodies who were expendable. You know, like does that make sense? Like why are we why are we putting why are we getting mad at like this type of film for not being you know the greatest thing on earth like we can't we shouldn't be trying to equate this film with like the dark knight you know i feel like yeah every time a superhero movie comes out we gotta like we gotta take ant-man and be like okay well is it as great as infinity war and it's like no and and it shouldn't be or maybe it's better maybe some people are like i want that film more than i want you know like yeah winter soldier or civil war stuff like that like it's just different and this film is not like dawn of justice at all and we can't compare it to that we have to like just be like hey it's you know it's a film you put on uh balance out your checkbook while you while it plays in the background something like that have you ever done that I do you have a checkbook i did that like when i got a bank account as, yeah. a, as a youngin i i maybe did it for like a day and I was like, this is stupid. I learned how to do it in, in an accounting class. And I mean, yeah. I, I never know. used it in practical life. It's not practical anymore because we are in the digital age. Everything's got chips. Chips. And Can you get some chips in here? And uh, paperless statements in your emails. You got some salsa? Salsa. There's what? a T in there. Salsa? <laughs> Sal- <laughs> That's salsa. when the salsa, salsa is too salty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, please take this back. It's too salty. <laughs> Sorry, I ordered salsa, not salsa. <laughs> Those tomatoes are way over roasted. I want to say that next time we go to Habaneros, I want to, I want to do that bit. <laughs> what do you remember as having the best salsa? Uh, amigos, that's amigos a hard. That's really, a hard question. Hey, Amigos had really good salsa. Tweet us what you think. What place you think has the best salsa? I don't like too many tomatoes in it. I like a good like. A uh, puree, you know what I mean, or like a like a. No, it's gotta have chunks. Dice. I mean, like yeah, the chunks are there, but like too chunky is too chunky. Like Tostitos is too chunky. Yeah, some, I mean, yeah, the chunky ones. Too. But I like to take the chip and just like dip it in the salsa just to get like the flavor on it. No, I don't need to scoop it. I could just dip. You just want the juice. Yeah, it's like MC Chris said the same thing. Did he? Yeah, he doesn't like chunky salsa. He just likes liquid yeah yeah <laughs> it just gets like the flavor on the chip you yeah. get some spices it's, it's it's a good time what do you remember uh the most about suicide squad um the thing the the biggest thing that i took away from suicide squad um was the introduction to magic uh in the cinematic universe and i've, I've said it a bunch of times mm-hmm. but that is the biggest thing that i took away that's the thing that i remember and it's not that I remember Enchantress, you know, the most, or the mm-hmm. big, crazy Native American statue, not even, big big guy, whatever, it's not that. Incubus, that's his name. <clears throat> like the band? Yeah. His name is Incubus? His name is Incubus. We'll figure, we'll get there. We'll, we'll talk we'll, about We'll, we'll talk more, about yeah. that, what that name actually means and whatnot. I thought his name was Shibalba, because that's... Shibalba. Yeah, exactly. Shibalba! Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, because in uh, oh, Injustice, Enchantress is a playable character in Injustice. Again, we'll talk about this later. Uh, but yeah, I th- his name was Incubus, and I was like, when did people get that? Like when? Uh, so um, we'll figure out what that it, name the, is. The in, the introduction to magic was yeah. so uh, underhanded. It was incredibly underhanded, and that's like one thing people. I feel like the crowd of pleas of this movie was 
not just casting, big part of casting, but not just mm-hmm. casting. It was just like, here's a motley crew of DC characters that have bad attitudes, and we're going to keep with this still same quote-unquote dark level of DC movies and just throw these wash away characters in a team and have them do cool action stuff. Whereas, I mean, it should have been like, hey, this is magic. This is a big, this is a whole subsection of DC. You can spawn everything, you know, that we know is the magic side in that. And um, it's not just about a Kryptonian flying into the sun, getting powers and shooting lasers out of his eyes. It's it's real, like, myth. Earth-based myth. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go with that. It's real magic. Um, I think that's a movie. Real magic? I think that's a, a rom-com. Like, that the romance is the real magic? I don't know. I don't... I don't. I, uh, that Maybe that movie doesn't even exist. I feel like... I've, something magic is, uh, is a movie. <laughs> we, should, we should write that rom-com. Real magic? Yeah. Nah, nah, I don't know. It's a magician who falls in love with someone, and then he realizes that the real magic is the love that he that oh, they have for one man. another. Okay, um, I, I like it. The thing I the thing I remember the most about Suicide Squad last time I watched it was that I I understood, and this was before Justice League came out, but um, that's kind of like where we where we were headed um, with the original slate of DC films was that okay, you know, Man of Steel. You know, we're going to start with Superman. He's going to introduce the world. And then Dawn of Justice is going to expand that world. And then also, like, build up towards the Justice League film. And, you know, Suicide Squad, the last time I watched it, it to me, it clicked in my head that this was just as much as a prelude to Justice League as Dawn of Justice was because Superman... Is gone now, right? Yeah. So Superman, you know, dead and gone. Now people are realizing that the metahuman thesis is true, and we need to take Control advantage it? of that. Okay. Yeah. Take advantage, yeah. And so, what I got out of Suicide Squad is that it's supposed to be a failure of Justice League. It is supposed of not to just the movie of the actual Justice League. The, the teaming yeah. up of metahumans. Yeah. It is like, um, you know how in Star Wars, General Grievous was the prototype to Darth Vader. It was like, could we, could a person who's been on the brink of death be brought back with, you know, cybernetic enhancements? Cybernetic enhancements. Um, and so General Grievous was the prototype to Darth Vader. So. Suicide Squad was the prototype to Justice League, and it fails. And so that's why at the end of the movie, Bruce Wayne is like, I will do this. Like, I'm going to make the team. Did he say that? At the end, he was, you know. I don't remember that at all. That's the whole exchange with, you know, he's like, I want that information from Waller because I want to do this. And, you know. I'm excited to see that. So also looking, there's so, there, Jason Momoa is cast as Aquaman in this movie. I don't remember that at all because it's at the end. Yeah, with see, his I don't photo. I don't yeah. remember that uh, because this, like, he gets the information because then he's gonna. Waller gives. We'll save it because that'll impede on the end credits. But, yeah. All right. We'll get, we'll get um, the but yeah, this just is, intro stuff. This was um, a Justice League that failed to be a thing, and that's the point of this film. Is that not any, not any metahumans can group up, start a team, and be, you know, 
the Justice League. It takes a team of the top tier superheroes to do that. And, that and it's was, not just the team of top tiers. It's You have to have good leadership. And you have to have the dichotomy. Yeah. I mean, like even in Justice League, Bruce says it, you know, like, I can bring the team together, but Clark can make them stay together. Like, mm-hmm. He's more human than us all. It is those dynamics that you need in a Justice League for it to work. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what the last time I got out of it. I think um, as far as, like, nitpicks, I think, uh, and we'll get into it, uh, and I think I have to warn people now that I've never really been a huge fan of the Joker, like, as a character in in any medium, like he's okay. Yeah, he's Batman's other half, mm-hmm. which is fine. But I, I could go a film without the Joker. Like just one film. I, I like th- as we get to him in this film, it'll be something that I question a lot. And yeah. so I just want to warn people now. And I love Harley Quinn in this movie. I think she's one of the best parts of this film. And as a flashback. It's great to have the Joker in it, but to try and bring him into the into the present timeline just felt super forced and seemed like an executive producer was like, "Oh, you gotta have that character." Have Joker. It's like maybe you don't, and like just you know, who cares if Jared Leto is a famous actor? It doesn't mean that he needs to hit you know fifteen minutes plus of screen time. It's like no. You wanted to play the character, but the character is only needed for this scene. Like, we're gonna scale you down, deal with it. It's about the it's about the story, not about the actor. Yeah. So take a seat. So <laughs> is that were you were you doing a prequel meme? Oh yeah. <laughs> there we go. Always with us. Um so, side note, I just found out about these prequel memes, so like I'm gonna just call them out as I see them. It's a ladies gold and gentlemen. Mine. Um when we when we start out the film, it's going to start out with three logos. One being the Warner Brothers pictures, um, which will always be there until In disco Disney. lighting. Yeah, yeah. Um, the The aesthetic of the of the logos is somewhat like a carnival. Yeah, like a, I see that. It's and this is like the tonal thing that that comes into question. <laughs> what you just call me? Tonal, T O N O T O N A L. The tone of this film. Write that down. Tonal thing. This is this is the shaky part about it. Um, it. It seems less like a Suicide Squad graphic, and more like a Harley Quinn Joker aesthetic. The whole film, or just this in the, the logo? Oh yeah, n- yeah, the logo itself. Yeah, yeah. I definitely see f- Joker's Funhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what like, we think about. I get it. I get it, and I I can probably draw strings to relating like carnival attitudes towards members of the suicide squad mm-hmm. and just like them as a mishmash crew of of misfits and freaks like i i can but those are like lines that are drawn and then gone over with with a real th- thick graphite pencil <laughs> so you can see him. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it does seem like it's playing more into the Harley Quinn and Joker. And that is the thing that uh, that follows throughout the entire movie. It's a Harley Quinn and Joker movie. I mean, it's it's a Harley Quinn movie with her joining a team and sabotaging it and, you know, trying to escape and all that stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, in, in, as a whole, it still is a team movie, but it is a Harley Quinn movie. I mean, like, you, 
you see her, I guess you do see a lot of other origins. No, you don't see other origins. You see just a flashback of Floyd getting captured. You do see Harley's origin. So you don't see anybody else's origin, per se. Yeah, I'm usually there's like a rule of three. So I'm like, the main character is, is Will Smith's character. Uh, yeah, I, is, I think is, that's the I confusion. Mean, like in the movie itself, like it's said to be Floyd is supposed to be the main character. He is literally going to be the first character. Margot Robbie's seen. like first. Uh, she's second. Is she second credited? I thought she's yeah, first. He, well, she's first on Will Google. Smith is top build. Margot Robbie's top on Google. Hit the IMDb. You hit the IMDb. I don't know how to go back. Would you type in there? Um, how to get rust off of the bottom of your toilet? Um. <laughs> Uh, writing credits cast Will Smith is wow yeah, so he's top wow. bill he's supposed to no this is in order of appearance yeah this is in order of appearance on IMDB okay Sergeant Ames Bravo 14 and then it goes Ike Bar- Baron Baron Holtz Baron Holtz right uh, I think it's Ike Baron Baron-Holtz. I'm pretty sure I remember Baron Holtz from Matt TV like them saying Ike Baron Holtz that was a Saturday Night Live he was introducer. on Matt TV oh yeah that's what I know him from and he's in that Mindy Project uh, real big I guess was was when it was on um, but I know him from Matt TV um, when uh, yeah but uh, see that's kind of where the confusion is for people and not that it matters really um, it's just because it's a team up movie, so it, it shouldn't matter who's the lead character. I think it's Harley Quinn. But yeah, see, and it seems that way because she has such a big uh, subplot line. Yeah. Like, Will Smith's character has an origin in this film, but he doesn't have a subplot like she does. His, he has a uh, directive, a direction. His goal, and I think, I mean, like, they're all, like, explain, like, hey, this will knock off time of your prison sentence, but his is more like, I need to knock off time to go see my daughter. Like, he has actual goals in mind. Everybody else is like, hell yeah, I'm going to get out of prison early. That's cool. But Harley, you have her origin, and you have her hardcore subplot, and Floyd, you have his determination going throughout the team. And it's really, so I'll say the two main, I mean, they are, the two main characters are Deadshot and Harley Quinn, but... Main character Harley Quinn, main uh, direction Will Smith, Deadshot. Yeah, I I think I think there's like when you do a storyline, there's like a plot, a subplot, and then what's called a runner. But I don't know what that is. To be frank, and. I got to say, like, okay, so the Suicide Squad story with, like, okay, Amanda Waller gets the team. They go try to stop Enchantress, and they learn that they are closer now after the events. Like, that's the plot. The subplot would be... Harley's origin. But Harley's, you know, the 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 Joker Joker coming in, and he's trying to get Harley Quinn back. Like, that could be the subplot. And then I think the runner might actually be... The Rick Flag Enchantress. Yeah, thing. I was gonna say that because like, I mean she turns into the antagonist. Yeah, and like, that's I'm thinking of Runner as like um, something that comes in now and again to like. Yeah, but is still on like the side of the antagonist, like yeah. something that is deferring the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary, 
is a sub runner in Pokemon. Um, and his journey to, I don't know why I thought of the snail first. <laughs> the SpongeBob? Yeah. <laughs> no, Gary in Pokemon, I believe, is a sub runner just because he is still an antagonist, but he's always one step ahead of you until the Elite Four, where his story is all fleshed out and it, it comes to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with regard to the, the protagonist, too, because you're the one that defeats him. So, what we say the runner was? Yeah, runner is Enchantress. I would, yeah, let's go with that. And her brother. Like, you ever watch Ice Age? Yeah. Scrat? You know, little, little, mm, is that I, a runner? No, I don't think so. Because that's not a subplot. No. Because it doesn't tie into the that rest. That does of have it. a name, though. It's like, um, oh, man, what are they called? It's not part of the plot, but it's like a thing that's happening. Yeah. It's a... That does have a name. That actually has a... Yeah, okay. that does have a name. If you know what that You term. know in an American <laughs> Dad, so like throughout the entire oh, series, the, the Rogers Golden Poop with the, the jewels, yes. that whole thing I'm pretty sure is a runner for yeah. the entire series. Um, just because it like... It's not affecting the main story, but it's it's still it's just there. there. Yeah, and it's existing in that universe. The The Infinity Stones of the MCU, that is a runner. Yeah, throughout phases... I guess one. We could be three. totally wrong, but we're just like so if you guys know the difference. Yeah, we're just talking out Let our us ass. know. Yeah. I'm sure someone's gonna listen to this and be like, you guys are really wrong. Well, let us know. Cause I don't want to take the time to find out. I'm sure we can with these computers, but hey. Um we like you guys to do the work for us. But yeah, if 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 Rick Flag and Enchantress, if that's a thread and Harley Quinn is and the Joker and that's the subplot, and then the Suicide Squad is the plot, then Either Floyd doesn't have an actual subplot; he just has like a an origin for motivation. Then he really can't be, unless he's just the main character of the actual plot. So Floyd Lawton is the eyes and ears of the plot. Harley Quinn is the subplot, and then Rick Flag is the runner. Then that that is the trinity of characters. It's those yeah. three. Um. I'm trying to compare Floyd's like to something else and I just can't get past first officer and like he's like a Riker. So Ooh. like in the team itself. So Rick is oh, like Rick, Rick is is the head honcho. He's in charge of the team, but then Floyd like actually steps up and he's the one that seems like he's given commands. I don't think he actually does give commands, but it seems like he should be the one calling the shots. And he's doing it on his own, and the other team kind of follows in suit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They see him as the leader more than they see Rick Flag. I'm sure they do, you know, on some level they see him as one of them as a criminal, so they will listen to him more than they will listen to Rick Flag, they're the trying to, military guy. They're trying to build their own dichotomy yeah. of Rick Flag and Deadshot being like, they're, se- they're equal, but different sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. So... That they're that's what they're trying to do with it, and I think it works. Uh, you know, I think once they do a sequel, we'll see that as more apparent. Um, you know, I don't even care. They are doing a sequel. All right, I get that. You know what I want to see more? I want to see Deadshot in a Batman movie, but like opening scene villain that he thwarts. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just and I want to see Will Smith cameo. In it. Yeah, and like how they do the cameos in this movie in the extended edition. But I the other way around. Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. The other way around where it, you know, yeah, that kind of, that, that's really cool. That's what I want to see um, more of Will Smith and, and his Deadshot character. I'm reluctant about a sequel to Suicide Squad. But then again, hey, 
probably should start out that start off with this. I'm not the biggest fan of Suicide Squad in comics. I never got into them heavily, even when I was working at the shop. I remember picking up a bunch of Suicide Squad, especially the when New 52 started. I wanted to get into those couple runs because there's like two volumes or something like that. Of just mm-hmm. that first run before they rebooted it. I wanted to get into that. And I remember always having it like pulled off the rack and at the counter and just never bringing myself to, I don't know, maybe not. I just didn't want to read another team up book. I was already reading Justice League at the time. And that was fantastic in the beginning of, of you know, New 52 and stuff. And I just, I didn't care for another team up. And then I fell into Doom Patrol. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> And every uh, other team up just seemed pointless and silly unless it wasn't giving me an existential crisis while reading Doom Patrol. You know what I mean? I I own the first volume of the New 52 Suicide Squad. I enjoyed it a lot, but I never followed up with it <laughs> ever since. Yeah. And I saw the first DC animated film, Assault on Arkham, and... I watched like 10 minutes of that and just was like, ah, I can't. Sorry. I realized what makes Suicide Squad uh, attractive for for fans of Suicide Squad is something that I don't like in storytelling. So I realized I don't want to fall in love with characters and then just have them uh, like graphically murdered. <laughs> it's like, oh, I really like that character. It's like, well, get ready for them to get their head blown off. It's like, no, I don't, I don't yeah. want that. And like, I and like, so that's just on me, like preference wise. So that's why I did end up liking Doom Patrol more because mm-hmm. it's like, yes, they live terrible lives. They're not the best people. They're like, you know, they want to be human or live normal lives. And it's like, but none of them are just being like final destination out of nowhere because... Yeah that's just how life goes like i get that but um i was like i i don't want to see people i don't want to be tortured for falling in love with someone yeah. so the other thing about suicide squad is that it does revolve around the villains mm-hmm. and me being the, the good-hearted bright sunshiny superman boy at heart i'd never really cared to read more into the villains um i like learning about how their character forms, but I don't really care about the whole fleshed out story of a team up with villains, mm-hmm. even in like, you know, like the sinister sticks and, in Marvel. And it's like, I'd say, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they're cool, but, uh, not really. I mean, I don't know. I've never been the biggest villains fan. I think, uh, forever evil was like the first time I was like yes. super into it because like, yeah, you started to see villains connecting on like, not because, like, oh, hey, we're villains. Like, we all have been beat up by Superman, so let's form a team. Yeah. But it's more like uh, with Sinestro and Black Adam, they were like, oh, you're a peaceful ruler? I'm a peaceful ruler. Yeah, at least like, they have the, they, they, they want the same thing. Yeah, they were jiving because their goals are the same, so they were becoming well antiquated. And, like, you know, I think Lex Luthor, they had to, like, take a sewer system underground, and, like, yeah. Black Manta was there, and they were like, we have a common goal, like, there was something where they, Jeff Johns wrote the villains well enough to to connect on like an actual personal level. Yeah. Um, because they share the same, you know, kind of mentality, but not because, oh, you hate Batman? I hate Batman. Yeah, like, exactly. It's a little exactly. more than that. I will say, though, the one villain's story that I will and did follow continuously and, and have a really hard liking to is the rogues. 
And I just, I mean, there's just something about, but like with all them, it's the reverse. They are all together to stop Flash. That is their one common thing. They're just a bunch of road criminals, street level. That's just like, man, I hate it when the Flash stops my robbery. Let's <laughs> all start a club. And it's like, yeah, it's, a, it's still. We'll meet on Tuesdays. Yeah, like that's like the comic book. And they meet in a bar, and it's like they're just sitting around having drinks, planning their next like robbery. And it's like, okay, well, the Flash is gonna come. How are we gonna stop him? Mm-hmm. That's I don't like it when the villains have to like when they're all world domination. Let's team up. Oh yeah, I think it. I think one of the most boring characters, in my opinion, as far as villains that they always seem to want to team up with people is Vandal Savage. Like you, if, it's just too OP. If a story. Like, oh, we're going to introduce Vandal Savage. It's like, oh, he's here. And people are always like, oh, it's Vandal Savage. I'm like, yeah, I'm already bored. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm always thinking like, okay, so how are we going to do this? Are we going to cut his head off? Like, are we going to find some amulet that like depowers him? Like, it's like, this is the character that we wanted to see. Like, I don't want to see this character. Like, he's not even interesting. Yeah. Like, he's not, just an immortal. I mean, he's, he's just a Ra's al Ghul type, yeah, type thing. Yeah, he's just is, there. And it's, I don't know. The team based Ra's al Ghul. Raish. Yeah. He's the C level Ra's al Ghul or whatever. Is, is Ra's on B level or is he one rung on? Is he at D? I mean, he doesn't need a superhero team to defeat Ra's, so I'm going to go with B list. Immortal. The I think the, the f- A level. Uh, immortal is like Brainiac or something, right? New gods. Yeah. Like, how do you defeat that guy? Yeah. So. Doomsday. Doomsday. That's, yeah. He, but, yeah, it's, you know, like with Ra's al Ghul, you need the whole Bat family because the League of Assassins or something. Yeah. But, like, when you introduce Vandal Savage, it's like, Man, this is a boring villain. You just cannot spin this in any good way because it's like you've been alive for so long. I get it. You're miserable. He's just going to try again. Yeah. He's and like, he usually does succeed in the first few stages of his plan. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, that works, man. And then you get thwarted at the end and you're just going to do it again. Yeah. So it's, you know, I don't know. It's all right. Um, I don't know how we got on the Vandal Savage. What the other logos that we see in this film is going to be the Rat Pack Entertainment, which is kind of out of the picture now because of Brett Ratner and, you know, don't be a terrible person kind of thing. Yeah. Moral of the story. Um, so I think now they're doing films with, uh, in conjunction with New Line Cinema is taking place, uh, taking that place. Um, we see the DC logo. Um, and then we just kick right into it with a, an opening shot. Question. Mm-hmm. This is the last DC logo we get before the DC Worlds logo, correct? I think in the opening of Wonder Woman, we had all like the characters. You know, there was Mogo and all. You know, you know what I mean. It's got like it shows, I mean, like it shows like original seven, and then it expands, 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 expands. And did Wonder Woman do that? I think Wonder Woman started off with that, so this might be the last one that we actually just see the regular DC logo. I thought it was Justice League that did it. No, because remember, like the footage came out. Mm-hmm. And it was all over because it was at like a Comic Con or whatever, and people were taking screen caps and like labeling the characters and and who they were. And I think it was for the Wonder Woman trailer. It was for the Wonder Woman trailer. Yeah. I'm trying to think of when they made the switch to this, like 
this logo because Man of Steel had the old one where it was like the D, but it was a page turning, so it showed the C. Like, was that the same ones from Nolan's? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Okay. It Man showed like Kirby had, dots? Yeah. Yeah. Then the most notable part was just that the D was like a head dog and a yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah, that's been its logo for yeah. God knows how long. But now... Or was its logo? I think with this one, but I, and I think Dawn of Justice had the... D with the circle? Or the D with the page the DC, turn. like it is here. Yeah. No, I think it was still like the, the dog-eared one. Um, but, uh, yeah, this one has the, the current DC logo. Um, and then, yeah, it just comes right in. Did this one do, I think, uh, this one had like the, it was turning, wasn't it? Wasn't it like a... I know in the trailers it was turning because it was supposed to be like a clock. And, you know, crazy people. Oh, look, now he's starting it. And it's like lights, neon lights going out and everything. Yeah, it has, it really is like a carnival thing. Nightclub. No oh, it, on Rat Pack it shows, yeah, dude, there's, there's diamonds, diamonds and gesture stuff all the oh, time. Oh, there it is. It's turning now. Oh, it turns just to, is that their transition always, where it turns into it? Mm -hmm. Like how Warner Brothers and Harry Potter has the, the zoom into the, you know zoom what I mean? In, yeah, zoom in into the, the lightning bolt or lightning something. Lightning bolts are like iron or rusted things, yeah. There's always clouds in Harry Potter intros, and so they go into the clouds, and then, it, then they dissipate, and it's like a city. It's like Star Wars. It always starts in space. Yeah, and then it pans down mm -hmm. or up. I think it always determines what film it is, depending. They always go in a different direction. Um I don't think Rogue One did a pan. It was just wham. Yeah. And it started. <laughs> um, let's see here. Um, so we got an establishing shot, like, for our first glimpse of actual film footage. And it's just a giant establishing shot of Louisiana, USA. Uh, it says Black Site. But I don't know if that's a name or if that's just like no black site is just like a what noun. They, yeah, that's what it's it's a noun. So CIA black site. Yeah, it's declaring that this place is it's off the records, off the records kind of thing. It's you uh, know there's like huge, and I'm pretty sure this is a, probably the same one. There are huge penitentiaries. Like there's like I don't know maybe four or five or eight something like that. There's a small number of them located like around u.s and like one of them's here in florida like near the everglades i'm pretty sure another one is in louisiana like the swamps there's another one like in like nevada like in the desert and it's like and it's one of those like the, these jails like that max security yeah they're but but they don't have guards at the doors like people can leave but it's like a whole situation like you're going to die if you leave this and there's only a few of them in the country. I remember one of my old managers was telling me about it, and I was like, no way. He was like, yeah, dude. Like, they, they exist. So this is, if if I'm correct in remembering there was one in Louisiana, like the swamps, then this is it. I mean, there might, they, that's probably. Or is this Bell Rev? It is Bell Rev, but it can still be, you know, they're just basing it. It's like Strikers Island, Rikers Island. Yeah. So yeah. Bell Rev is one of these black site jails. Yeah, they were just like, okay, we're going to take an actual prison that exists in America, and we're just going to call it, for the sake of the DC universe, we're going to call it Bell Rev. And so here we are in, in Louisiana Swampland, 
Um, and it's an actual parish. It's called Terra Terrebonne Parish. What which, is a parish? Like an area, like a land. A swamp land? Yeah, like a church. Um, I know that word for churches. So it's like, uh, we're just going to take that prison and, and call it, you know, Bel Rev. Um, Terrebonne is French for good earth. So I guess there's there's going to be some irony in this because Bel Rev also means uh, beautiful dream. Mm, so okay. a beautiful dream on good earth, uh, which is definitely not the case here. It's because, built on a swamp. Yeah, because swamps are the worst terrain of all time. Like, it's just mud and water and disease, mosquitoes and alligators. So it's just not a good time. Um, and then on snakes. top snakes spiders rats rats are there rats and maybe piranhas <laughs> in a swamp i think piranhas only it's not exist just that they're snakes it's snakes that swim well that's water moccasins we have yeah. them here man those things are terrible or cotton mouths they're also beautiful snakes but they swim <laughs> and i saw one when i was at my mom's neighborhood once walking the dog and i whoop yeah. 180 out of there i was like nope sorry pal they are those things are aggressive. Those things are like muscular. Yeah, they they snakes, they'll, they'll chase you. Yeah, they'll go they, after you. They are, like, those are the snake, <laughs> in yeah, my opinion. That's, that's the, really, I think the snake. I think as a kid, I always thought like a king cobra one because it's in the name, and two just because of the fans on it. But I think the snake is a rattlesnake. Really? Yeah, that's like one of the. I mean. There's like, you know, more terrifying, you know, like someone's like, oh, black mamba is one of, you know, the terrifying snake in the world. What is the spider to you? A black widow. Oh, really? Yeah. Ugh. God damn. But I mean, here living in Florida, like the spider is a brown recluse. You brown recluse. You don't run around around brown recluse. Uh-uh. Yeah. Either like one, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no. you guys shouldn't exist. <laughs> no. Um, but snakes are a little bit different. I mean, like, I'm terrified of reticulated pythons. Terrified of them. If I'm around, walking around, and I hear, like, a rattlesnake, I know to turn in another direction. A reticulated python, that sucker is hunting me down and chasing me up a tree. Eating me whole. That thing is... I'm... No way, Jose. There was a story where a reticulated python ate that woman that was uh, going after her crops... And all it was left For like was the second time or something. No, 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 I sent it to you guys like uh, last month or a few weeks ago, and all that was left was her flashlight and flip flops. Like that she, is horror movie shit. But she didn't die, right? Yeah, she did. Oh, she, okay. They cut. They found the snake, cut her open because it, it couldn't move, and she, she was, was in there. Inside, nah, just like, she was in there. Second time. You can't be. A, no one lives inside of a snake. They suffocate you. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Um, unless, unless like the snake was like. Or you were falling straight into the snake, like with this big, like wide... a Mario tube. Yeah, and like its mouth was just open, then you could do it. I don't know how Agent K survived inside that cockroach, like without breathing. I guess he wasn't in there for in that Black. long. Yeah, like I guess you could hold your breath for like he was only in there for maybe thirty seconds or something. But it's terrifying. Uh, Geppetto, how do you survive the whale? Yeah, but that's like Finding Nemo. It's like you're just in there. They had water in Finding Nemo, though. <laughs> um, is there enough air inside of a mouth of a whale for you to survive a couple days? I don't know. I don't know if anyone's actually been inside a whale. Did Ahab die in uh, Moby Dick by getting eaten by the whale, or did he live inside of its belly for a little bit and then die? I don't know these things. Yeah, me. Because me I'm thinking, like, has anyone ever 
recovered a beached whale and like it died and did anyone ever go like hey maybe we should walk inside of it and see what's up hey maybe there's a hobo living in it (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if anyone's ever tried that oh my god um so let's see um live inside a dead whale you imagine the smell no i don't i wouldn't maybe that's why people just don't live inside beach whales yeah maybe that's not a thing people don't do that (laughs) (laughs) um so here we are in bell rev um we uh you know there's a there's a, a slogan on bell rev that they've written that says till death do us part so again it's another ironic joke that they have here um oh they're going there to die yeah, like you're here for life, and the only way you're you're leaving is by dying in a body bag. In a body bag, um, we get a good look at uh the the screens position that they have here at Bell Rev, and it's only like sixteen computers, and it's only one dude who watches it. And uh, I mean, that's just classic protocol. I gotta be honest. He's. I mean, we had a job where we did that basically, and uh. It's not the most secure thing to do because you do fall asleep. Yeah. You know, like, the person watching it, like, you know, people are always thinking, like, oh, they're watching everything. It's like, you know, by the third month, you really don't care. (laughs) (laughs) You just don't. And so uh, it seems like the security situation is high here, but you know being in a we're coming from a job where we've done that it's like i don't know Bob. it's a little the scaling is off though we did it in an amusement park and uh this is a maximum security prison mm-hmm. so they yeah, might they might issue, it's issue still about some, people's safety yeah well you might get some ginseng from the front office every time you go into your shift <laughs> um Need some green tea buddy so um, keep those peepers wide is that from Cowboy Bebop? When he does the red eye thing? Oh, I don't Keep know. Those Keep those eyes open, I think it's just what he says, yeah. That's like the first episode, ain't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to get a look at our first and major character, which Wait, is... Hang on, I have a question. This is just nitpicky. This episode's running so long. Is there any um, thing on the desk? That guy's watching, like, any any Easter eggs or anything. My main goal in this is to try to find as many Easter eggs as we can, because that's the fun that I bring out of this. Um, and I don't think so. It looked, I don't know. I can't really see it. I should have brought up the minute on my own computer instead mm-hmm. of just looking over. Doesn't uh-huh. Come on. Condescending. Mm-hmm. Oh, me? No, I wasn't. I was saying. Uh, yeah, all right. I get <laughs> you. Anyway, so screen guy is just hanging out, watching some CCTV. And then we get introed. C C C span. Um, yeah, we uh, we get introduced to Will Smith's character, Floyd Lawton. Um, he's using his. It's it's he's he's like hitting this punching bag, right? But I'm pretty sure it's his actual bed that he has rolled up and like duct taped around because it looks like a sleeping bag. All right. And so it's just showing that he's like. He is, it's not like they gave him a punching bag. It's just like he's just staying fit and stuff, you know, working out, biding time. And so, um, yeah, this is our character, Floyd Lawton, which I I like Will Smith as, as Deadshot. Yeah, I thought going into this movie, I 
was skeptical just because it was like, okay, here's Will Smith, one of the biggest actors in Hollywood, going in for this superhero role. Like, all right, what's what's going to be? And then the other side was I knew that contracts exist and that he has to have a certain amount of screen FaceTime. And Deadshot always has a mask on, and I was upset that they were going to take away that mask. I'm not mad that the mask is off for the majority of the film, I guess. Maybe because it's just like the last mission, that the main mission that they're doing. The flashbacks of him where he's in the mask, I'm okay with. I like it. Um, where it shows his origin or his beginning, whatever. I like it. I think I got enough of the mask. You know what I mean? I want to see more of it. Oh, yeah. I definitely want to see more of it. But um, like if he does have a cameo, you know, like you're saying, I yeah. want a movie where he's got a little cameo as Deadshot like real quick. I want the mask on the whole time. Ben Affleck had a cameo, and he had his mask on the entire time. He yeah. didn't have FaceTime, so yeah. And I mean, uh, do do that, guys. Yeah, and you know, maybe even like you don't even have to bring Will Smith to play the character. Just bring in a guy, and then have him do the voice. And like, yeah, you could do voiceover and just a mask, and or not even you didn't even have to voice. Just have the Deadshot character cameo. I want them to have a conversation. Okay, okay. Um. But yeah, I wasn't. I'm with you. I'm not mad at Will Smith. I did enjoy his Floyd Lawton. Um, yeah, but I mean, again, it was me going in like, okay, here's Will Smith doing doing a DC movie. When um, you know, he's he's about to get fed his like daily meal by the by the staff here, and we're gonna see a sign here that kind of caught my attention. It says, "Attention, stay ten feet." back from door at all times there will be no warning shot which implies to me that they're talking to the inmates yes that it's like when he which he doesn't abide by you know he comes up straight to the door when it's time i mean he's about to get his food he's going to talk some shit to this character that we're going to talk about uh but he's like nah dude i'm just going to come up to that door and i think it's that door the gate that the sign is posted on the wall that this one? Yeah, I think it's that door. Oh, so Because if like, they were to like get out of that thing... These guys are trained to just shoot. Yeah, shoot if anything comes out of that room. Yeah. No warning shot at all. Yeah. Like, if you come to that gate, you're dead. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Like, you know, like we said, we're going to try and try to notice these things. I don't know what B14 might mean, so I'll leave that up to you guys. <coughs> Excuse me. I know that Ike Barinholtz's character... His uniform says Alpha Zero One, so he is like, he is the commanding officer of Bell Rev Prison. Like, he's the top one here. Um, but you know, I don't know what B fourteen means, so someone wants to look that up. That's fine. Um, but yeah, we're gonna get introduced to this is Captain Keith Griggs. Uh, I hate that name, Keith. And I apologize if your name is Keith. I hate but the whole name. <laughs> I do not. I have never found the appeal to that name, Keith. Keith is sorry. No offense, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm, if your I, name we is do Keith, seriously apologize, you. but there's just sometimes those names that's just like, ooh, yeah, I don't like that name. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Keith Griggs. Um, when I was reading up about the character, it says he's usually in comics. With Steve Trevor, Diana, and Etta Candy. So he, okay. he's more of a... He's a Wonder Woman guy. But not in this film. 
I'm all right. Hey, that's that's perfectly fine. Like I said a while ago, after realizing that Steve Trevor was, you know, he died in Wonder Woman. Um, hey, it'd be cool if they still need like a, another military liaison. Let's just throw Rick Flag in there, just mm-hmm. to have because it is a shared universe, and because he does have a higher ranking, like officer's title in the military. Yeah. So it just makes sense for him to be thrown into another military mission where they need a high ranking officer. Yeah. And, you know, with all these military officers that we do introduce, like, they could eventually meet. Like, we have, well, we don't have Guardian anymore, but we do have Swanwick and mm-hmm. Carol Ferris and uh, Rick Flagg. Uh, I'm pretty sure Keith Gordon is still alive by the end of Suicide Squad. I don't think he dies or anything. Um, who else did you say? Gordon, Detective Gordon. Oh, I mean, Gordon. like, yeah, he's who's the other straight guy in Gotham. In, in Gotham, who's Harvey Bullock? No, in Justice League there was a another guy at the GCPD, and people knew who he was, but I didn't know who he was. Clayface? No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In the movie Justice League, yes. yeah, yeah, that was Clayface. I can't think of which Clayface he was. Um, but he that was one of the guys that becomes Clayface. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then you also have, like, the people in Wonder Woman's film, you know, so you'll, you know, Etta Candy and all that. And, and, and so there's a lot of military people in the storyline in this universe, which is which is cool because it gives, like, they have the ability to connect more often. Yeah. Um, I don't like Aggie Baron Holtz at all <laughs> in any film. I don't like the I don't like the actor. Um, so what other films do you know him from? The Neighbors franchise. Uh, With Seth Rogen. Yeah. Never saw it. Oh. It's uh, he's all right. I always I just see him as a sketch comedy guy. I always a B list sketch he, comedy guy. No I offense, always, but every time I see him, I go, "Is that Mark Wahlberg?" And I'm <laughs> like, "It's not Mark Wahlberg." Uh-huh. Um. He's all right. I. Did you ever watch him in the Mindy Project? I don't. I, I think he was really good in that. But I never I mean, saw I, that show. I know that show was. It got real high ratings. You watched it? No, but I do like Mindy Kaling. Like I like her writing a lot. True, I agree. I agree. But uh, yeah, he's all right. Uh, sure, I, I think he's he's all right. I think the scene with him and the Joker is one of the better scenes in this film even though i have some qualms about the joker's presence in the storyline i think that scene with jared leto's joker is my favorite like one of my favorite parts um but yeah he comes in and you know he's gonna feed floyd lawton some some ugly food that we'll talk about in tomorrow's minute because they go into more detail but um it just looks like a a weird omelet and it's called a loaf um like they say it in the in the movie it's called a loaf right here he goes what is this and he goes that's called a loaf oh it's probably just like everything that they need blended up it's just garbage like pancaked yeah almost like the movie snowpiercer but not those were roaches (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, i get what you mean yeah, it's like it has all like their daily nutrients and and whatnot. Yeah, just they're just not even just slop. Yeah, um, just compacted and frozen. Yeah. Um, the last note I have for this one before we we wrap up this this uh, 
minute is to talk about the music that we're going to be hearing because before that though real okay. quick i'll just because just in keeping with trying i'll try to do this for every character shout out their first appearance and all that jazz so floyd lawton appeared in uh batman number 59 um as floyd lawton um as deadshot and that was in 1950 um I believe he was masquerading as just like a magician-esque guy. He was a vigilante that came to Gotham and was like, I'm going to do, you know, the same classic thing. I'm going to do what Batman doesn't have the balls to, yada, yada, yada. So he was going around in like a domino mask and a top hat and just like he was still shooting people. And I don't think it was until, I think it when they introduced the Task Force X in Legends, I believe that was number three, is when he actually was seen in his suit uh, with the white mask and his the monocle, or the <laughs> well, yeah, he's got the the mask, but his, it mainly take aw- the best thing to take away from Deadshot is his wrist guns. That's like his main thing. Um, so I'm Incredible pretty sure, character yeah, yeah, in yeah. the fighting game, Injustice too. Like just the, when seeing that guy in action with like wrist mounted magnums, like it's like that's a cool character. Yeah. So um, that's his origin. Uh, what's the first appearance for you with Deadshot? When was the first time you met that character? I don't know. Because the first time I ever found out about that character was Batman Arkham City. There was a side mission where you were hunting bodies, mm-hmm. but you were trying to trace bullets, but they weren't always straight lines. Was he... I, mm, he wasn't in Mortal Kombat versus DC, right? It was Deathstroke. Deathstroke. But they didn't call him Deathstroke. They called him Slade. There wasn't a dead shot in that roster? Well, it was the reverse. People were always calling him Slade for the longest time because of Teen Titans. That yeah. Mortal the, Kombat DC was the first time they were like, no, he is. his name is Deathstroke. And then people were like, oh, that's his name. But, but when you started out as him in the game, like if you chose him, it said Slade. Probably. Yeah. Um, I'm going to look up to see what the roster was, to be honest with you. But yeah, that's a, the first time I met Deadshot was in Arkham City, and I didn't know that was a character. Uh, and then I still just thought it was a dude, an assassin with like a sniper rifle. I didn't know that Deadshot was a character that... that was a Batman villain? I didn't know he he didn't miss. Oh, I didn't know okay. that was his shtick. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it wasn't like this film was like, oh, yeah, it's the man who never misses. And it's like, okay, does that mean you never miss when firing a gun? Or you never, are you like Bullseye? You know how in Bullseye in, in Daredevil, he's like, I don't miss anything? Yeah. Like, I don't even miss my car payment kind of guy. Like, uh-huh. like what, like, <laughs> we, does Deadshot not miss bullets or you know like yeah he's like just he's punching he, a punching bag right here. his is he not is he hitting exactly where he wants to maybe i know that his ability is superb marksmanship that usually is affiliated with a gun and or shooting projectiles. yeah projectile like that's and i i think it's only when he's shooting something is when he doesn't miss but i could be wrong it's gotta be like an ocd thing like you know, your character should have, like, the utmost OCD. I guess. I mean, it's just good aim. Good aim is good aim. Good aim. Uh, uh, by the way, no, there was no 
Death, De- Deadshot in Mortal Kombat versus DC. So I couldn't tell you the first time I saw him. Uh, it was probably in Justice League Animated. There was a Task Force X episode, I think, in season one. Um, they all like like Amanda Waller hired all of them to go to the satellite orbiting Earth and pretty much infiltrate it and stuff. And uh, that was like classic French guy looking Floyd Lawton. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure that's what I re- the first time I saw him. What about Suicide Squad? You want to do that one? What was the first thing about Suicide Squad that I remember? Just like no, well, not the first time because we kind of talked that about that, but like just origin as far as history history lesson. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I never dove into it as much. I think I just knew of it. No, 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 no. I'm talking like what is what is the history behind? Because you were you were doing the first appearance of Deadshot, so I was oh, what is the history behind? Okay, so Task Force Task Force X. That's a hard. There's X's and K's. It's a, and yeah, That's it's a, a cool name, but it's hard to say. Task Force X. Task Force X is a uh, is a government TFX. sanctioned like uh, subsidiary. I don't know what they are. They're just like a government thing that um, is led by Amanda Waller. That was created by Ronald Reagan, uh, if you of if you will. Yeah. And uh, he told Superman about it, and Superman was like, "No, nah, it's not a good idea, but I trust you. See you later." And uh, <laughs> they were trying to like, they started out as um, people were getting pissed off that superhero teams existed, and there were like giant riots. Uh, mainly, there was a big riot at Titan's Tower, and Robin got his ass handed to him when he went to go try to fight that riot off. Um, and then the president like enacted uh, no superheroing. Like, you can't do anything as superheroes. And he told Superman that. And Superman was like, that's not a good idea, but you're right. Like, I, I have to agree with you. And then, and then he told him, like, we're going to have, like, these special teams um, to go in and do, like, what you guys are supposed to do. But it's all government sanctioned. Um, so they went off and did that. And Suicide Squad came from that. Um and I guess they're just most known, the most known notable team from su- from Task Force X. Jeez, is Suicide Squad. It is a hard thing to say. Yeah, it is a hard thing Task to say. But Force they're X. like now it's X. That Task Force X is now synonymous with Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. I don't think they run any other team ups or government things. Just the Suicide Squad. Um, but yeah, that was. I can't remember what that. It's hard to sell that name. Suicide Squad is like a franchise name. Yeah. And like you say Suicide Squad and people know what you're talking about, which is weird because nowadays people know what you're talking about. Even casual people who don't read comics, they might see a superhero film nowadays, you know, but Suicide Squad, people know that. But try printing a book, a series run of Task Force X as the title, and it is super generic. It's... It's like, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's hard to sell that on its own because it's such an ambiguous yeah. name. Other criminal organizations that were also affiliated with Task Force, <laughs> TFX, um, were uh, Checkmate. I think you know about Checkmate. They were uh, Checkmate and like Fair Play. They're like the two criminal organizations that like are combating each other. That's where uh, Mr. Terrific is from and all that stuff. I know um, nowhere. Yeah, it's uh, like that acronym. Yeah, nowhere. Yeah, it's not nowhere, but uh, nowhere was like the Dick Grayson secret agency. It was like a Teen right? Titans yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, so Checkmate is a uh, real heavy in Justice League as like a criminal organization that they take down. Um, Argent as well, and Project Peacemaker. And I don't really remember Project Peacemaker that much, so I'm going to click it. Um, this looks like it's uh, Jack Kirby New Gods. That looks like Orion on a cover. Um, maybe this has to do with New Genesis and whatnot. Uh, sorry. I, yeah, everything is in New Earth. And um, they're... I think they're like the, the, the good guys of the new gods. We just need to have like a, either a podcast or like a show, something where there's a deep dive into all the political branches of the DC world and like their conspiracy facilities, like yeah. Nowhere, Argus, Black Room. Hive, yeah, Blood, all those like things, yeah. Every, and we need a, and it needs to be like a, a history channel show where it's like a deep dive into like what they're up to. Do you but remember it's like an in-universe like like and like make I'm thinking of it as like a documentary kind of style. Mm-hmm. Robot Chicken did that in like season 1 or 2 about GI Joe and Cobra. Mm-hmm. Like they interviewed the yes. different Cobra agents. Like yeah. that's what we need to do. So like one we time we were like going after this weather dominator and it was just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh. there used to be a show that deep dives into all the facilities uh of the DC universe and like what they're up to and have like stock footage of like old shaky Vietnam black and white, of, mm-hmm. you know, and queen like, bee and like uh, telling d- people to go drone shit. photographs yeah. of, you know, the, what is this called? The Terrebonne parish yeah. and stuff. And like yeah. what they got going on over there. And, um, like Legion, the doom, like there's no cameras allowed. So like they had Arkham to like asylum yeah, visit, yeah, yeah. prison yeah. visit and see what like, you know, the elusive Dr. Strange is always, you know, interviewing patients in the middle of the night. And mm-hmm. he's like, what is he up to kind of thing? That's cool. I like that. Like that, that's a, that's a creepy show that, that I feel like we could, and it'd be like a paranormal DC type show. Um, Gotta have like a reporter, like Snapper Carr doing yeah. it. Yeah. Cat Grant. Or who's that guy from Young Justice who's like. Godfrey. Yeah. He actually was in. Tim there's, Curry's there's character, a con- right? Yeah, Godfrey. There's a connection to Gordon Godfrey in, um, the things that involved uh, uh, the Suicide Squad and Task Force and whatnot. Um, so during the riots, it was like a televised thing, and I'm pretty sure some of the Titans like went on television and like were talking smack to Godfrey, and it turned everybody against them. They were like, "Hey, you can't go on television talking crap about regular people. Like, what's what's up with you? You think you're better than us? Hey, you think you're better than me? That's not oregano." <laughs> I think that's something that we need to dive into. I think that might be a good idea for a show. Maybe not we probably won't do it, but someone needs to, you know, take a leap. We can in, write it. Yeah, we can write that show. That would be that would be cool to to listen in on. And as you listen in, you're like yeah. You're like, wow, that sounds like it's really happening. You heard it here first, people. Verbal trademark. Do not touch it. I mean, it's <laughs> like how Beast Boy was born, right? With the whole Ravager type, you know, experiments and stuff. Like yeah. That. Yeah. So that that's that's what I want to get into. Uh, oh, Star Labs is one. You got, you know, the birth of Cyborg and you're like, what are they doing in that yeah. Black Zero event metropolis? Or like some like Zeitgeist yeah. film kind yeah, of thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Pruders. The last note uh, we want to talk about, because 
it's an hour long episode um is the music because we we really got to dive into this um opening question is how do you feel about licensed music in movies I don't know if I have an opinion until I actually notice it. And it's so like for Marvel Universe is a good uh, example because they don't they pretty much only use licensed music. I know there are some scores that they play off in most of the movies, but a lot of the movies it is purely licensed music. And it fits with the characters, I guess. Like I can understand Iron Man playing ACDC all the time and that just being like his intro music. For the character, Thor Ragnarok, why is, I mean, like, I get the aspect of Led Zeppelin and, like, w- the music that they wrote and, how it, was, yeah, and song, how it was yeah. based on mythology and stuff. I get that. But does that need to be his theme song? It's almost like an easy giveaway. Like, yeah, of course that will be his theme song. So a band already made it and made it popular. Of course we're going to draw that character into this, making it his theme song. Instead of taking the time to, like watch the movie, develop a score, get these composers work and everything, that's when it annoys me. Like, and that's it's a prolonged effect. While I'm watching the movie, I might notice it, but at the same time, I'm. it's like one of those quick, okay, no score, just deal with it. Let's go on, follow the plot, follow the characters, figure out what's going on. Yeah. I don't say stay stuck on the no score aspect. Now that you're asking me as we're analyzing it, yeah, I'm going to be really annoyed that I'm going to have to be listening to these radio hits that are just going to be blaring in our ears for weeks on end. Yeah. The the licensed music in this one bothers me because the actual composer of this film, Stephen Price, um, has he did a lot of music. Like if you there's the Suicide Squad album that is all the licensed music that they had, mm-hmm. and like that was a big hit. Now it's like Black Panther had their licensed soundtrack, yeah. and so people really like that. But the Suicide Squad movie, the the soundtrack itself was probably more of a success than the movie itself, which is sad because. But why? I mean, like they played the Bohemian Rhapsody and like Twenty One Pilots and everything like that. Like, why was why are you calling it such a big success? Is it because it got Cause more notice to these bands? Well. The what was the band you just said? Twenty Twenty One Pilots. Twenty One Pilots. Yeah, they had the whole music video and yeah, that song was a su- the Suicide Squad. Song. It was released with the movie. Yeah. So like that song, you know, with the Suicide Squad album had that song. It was like yeah. their song and it was brand new. So people and then Rick Ross had Purple Lamborghini, which was a another hit but that was off this album as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. But what about like? Batman Forever, Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Yeah, exactly. Like that's, but see, I don't know. Maybe it's because I I, I watched it as a kid mm-hmm. and didn't know the difference between score and licensed music. And then, you know, an artist creating a song for a movie, it always goes back to, um, okay, does the music video involve scenes from the movie? Like, was it written for that? And th- it, it doesn't annoy me, but like Kiss from a Rose, it's just always, that's Batman's song now to me. Yes. I don't, and now I'm forced to listen to 21 Pilots and say, oh, that's Suicide Squad song. You don't think that when you listen to the song? You don't Now I'm forced to think it. With Seal, it's like I'm it's it's a it's a nostalgic, pleasurable feeling. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, that's Batman Forever. Kids that's will cool. Listen back to but that song yeah. when they hear that 21 song. Pilots, they're gonna think they're Suicide gonna Squad. They're gonna say Suicide Squad because again, they watched the music video, they heard this, you know, they saw the movie, they hear this song, and that's all they think. I, mean, I don't find joy in that anymore. 
there there's a couple songs on that album that relate to the characters in this film. So like Purple Lamborghini was the Joker one. Mm-hmm. And so he was in that music video and he has a Purple Lamborghini in this film as we'll see. And that song when I hear it, it still reminds me of the character and then there's there's a there's whatever song is playing with Harley Quinn when she goes into the Ace Chemicals thing. There's a song by the artists I can't remember. We'll get to it, but yeah, it, that's okay. But when it was in the movie, like this minute we hear House of the Rising Sun, I'm thinking what that song is called. Or you know house. Oh, is Harley Quinn's song that Don't Try to Keep Me Down? I don't know. I don't know what you do. Whatever those I lyrics are. <laughs> I don't know. No, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to when we get to the minute. Then we're gonna have to deep dive into it. I, I feel like re- G-Eazy's in that song as well. It is a song. Is it G-Eazy. a song by G? Yeah. There's okay. G-Eazy featured song. I'm pretty sure I'm thinking of the same song, and that's like Harley Quinn's song. I don't. I can't remember what the songs are. All I know is that those were those songs written for you know to promote the movie. But then there's also licensed music in this movie, like the Eminem one, like the Guess Who's Back. The yeah. house, rising sun. It's playing in this one. It's like yeah, whatever. Now I'm thinking of like there's the there's the rap song, and I don't know if it's G Easy like Little Wayne. Oh, is it Little Wayne and G Easy? I know Little Wayne is. There's a music video I saw, and it's like Little Wayne in. Little Wayne is, and I I'm pretty sure like Tyler the Creator is in it as well. No, Tyler no? is not. No, I mean I could pull it up, but it will, like, it's Little Wayne, and he's in a jail cell, and he talks about skateboarding out of the jail cell. <laughs> I thought that was the 21 Pilots one. I thought he was featured on that one. Then that's probably what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I guess when we come across those those songs, then we'll, we'll look more into them. This one this one just has the, the House of the Rising Sun song, which is okay. I think a lot of kids in high school thought this song was the deepest thing on earth. It's okay. I don't know. I, don't, I'm, I wasn't listening to the song. Um, Papa Bui. Uh, Why is it your go-to vamp? What Papa Bui? That's just that should be everybody's go-to yeah. vamp. Papa Bui, Papa Bui, Papa Bui. A house in New Orleans, like you. I know this song. Is yes. it was it made for this movie? No. This is an old this, song, this is right? A very old song. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. But yeah, that's one of those songs where it's like. It's being used for the tone of the film, not that it was written for the film. That's actual licensed music being used in place of soundtrack score music, you know? Was it another band covering it? No. That's the same one? That song reminds me of... They literally um, walked into a library and said, Hello, Warner Brothers, what song can I please use for this moment? And they were like, you can use this one because it fits the mood that you want to set. But it's like, hey, we just had Stephen Price write all this music and score this entire film. Like, I'm I'm telling you, if you look at Stephen Price's album, like, not the licensed soundtrack for Suicide Squad, the s- original soundtrack for Suicide Squad, it is like a 30-plus track album. Is there? It's a massive Really? Album. I didn't yeah. know that existed. Yeah, I, I have it up right here. Like, look at this. And those are all like orchestrate orchestrate pieces. And yes. Yeah. Okay. A whole like the whole thing. Like um, right in the beginning of this minute, we hear like the actual Task Force X theme song, which is the Louisiana 
Guitar Gently Weep song? I always, <laughs> that's what I hear when I hear that no, song. It's I always it's think like, it's... <laughs> I don't know. We'll probably play. It might be the intro for this. The oh, God. The outro for our podcast for this season is the unused Joker theme, which I'll play. You, you know, think it's cool? It, it's amazing. All right, cool. It is, right. And, right, it, right, right, and right. it's a really cool soundtrack. Um, but if you guys haven't heard Stephen Price's music for this film yet, please give it a listen. It's not, it's not exemplary like you know, like Junkie XL and Hans Zimmer did for Dawn of Justice, but uh, it's, to me, it's disappointing that it wasn't scored the entire, you know, the the whole film didn't use it. The, you know, he worked and made all this music for this film, and then they were like, yeah, but we're going to play Eminem. (laughs) Like, it's like, what? What am I doing Uh. here? So, yeah, he, he... uh, let me see how many tracks he did. That's all right. We'll figure it out. Yeah, 30. 30? Okay. Straight 30. And even there's more tracks that he did. Like the Joker theme is not on this uh, album, but I, I managed to get a hold of it. All right. Good um, deal. So but tune yeah. in. Make sure you listen to the end. Yeah. Let us know what you thought about the licensed music or anything else that we covered. Um, and we'll catch you guys tomorrow for minute number two of Suicide Squad. <laughs>